Welcome to the Howie Silviger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good Sunday evening. My name is Howie Silviger. Welcome to the Howie Silviger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. If you want to get in on the conversation, you could do so. It is easy. All you have to do is give me a call. Numbers to call in North America. And uh, anywhere you could call a North American number. The number is one 669 1292 That's 1-877-669-1292. And you could be in on the conversation. Here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. I'd like to thank you for uh, being patient We've been off the air for a few weeks, but we are back, and we are happy to be back, and we will be on regularly from here on in. Uh, I took a couple of weeks off. I got married, so I took a couple of weeks off to celebrate the wedding. Uh, so thank you so much for your congratulations. I appreciate it. And um, and and now that the uh, the wedding is over and we're back to uh, regular life, I will be uh, I will be on the air uh, much more frequently. I'm also going to restart uh, Political Hitman probably this week on uh, Tuesday night going into Wednesday at midnight on Tuesday. Well, midnight on Wednesday, Tuesday night going into Wednesday. So uh, stay tuned for that and uh, and a whole lot more. We're, we're doing a lot of stuff here on True Talk Radio, and I do appreciate you uh, you coming along for the ride and you being here with me. So I want to take a couple of minutes to uh, to talk about covid uh, I haven't talked about COVID in a while, and I think it's an important topic to talk about because what is happening now is even more ridiculous than what's happened in the past. So in the past, we've seen COVID regulations, and we've talked about COVID regulations and the idiocy of COVID regulations uh, and how how they really don't make much sense, and um, and they never made sense from the beginning. And they were more political than they were to save somebody's health. I understand, you know, regulations. I understand all sorts of stuff if it's going to save people and if it's going to help people stay healthy. But that has not been the experience with COVID regulations. In fact, COVID regulations have uh, ha have hurt a lot of people rather than helped a lot of people, which is kind of sad. If you ask me, that's a, that's a really sad statement. But it is a true statement. And and. A lot of people don't want to talk true statements because they get banned from social media. They get banned from all sorts of things when they tell the truth. But the truth is that we have been hurt more than we have been helped by the regulations of COVID. We have been hurt more than we have been helped by the uh, by the idea that um, that COVID that COVID somehow could identify what time of the day it is and attack you based on the time of the day. We have been hurt by the idea that somehow COVID knows when you uh, when you were with one person or when you were with three people or when you were with five people, because that's not really the way virology works. And so these regulations that you could hang out with two people from three households or three people from two households or or five people seven households whatever, uh, these these kind of regulations are ridiculous and and they're 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 just political. They have nothing at all to do with health, but. You got the COVID people. You got the people who are uh, who are afraid. They're afraid because the media has made them afraid, and that is sad. It is very, very sad that there are people who are afraid 
because the media has instilled this kind of fear into them, this crazy fear that no matter what they do, if they touch a vegetable in the, in the supermarket, somehow COVID's going to jump off the vegetable and kill them. And it is an irrational fear. It is a, is a normal, by the way, it's a normal irrational fear when the media has worked hard to generate this kind of fear in the population, and the government has worked hard to generate this kind of fear in the population. It is a normal fear uh, that the population has that COVID is going to come out of every corner and off every crevice and off every surface and off every item that you're going to touch. Somehow it's going to give you COVID. This is the uh, fear many, many people have. And I would call it an irrational fear because it really is. It's not rational at all. But uh, I've had doctors and I've had people who've unfriended me on Facebook because because they felt that uh, that my stand on COVID was a little too much for them. That they uh, that they felt that that perhaps just perhaps I was taking it a little too loosely. People were dying after all. Howie, you know, people died. They told me. Yes, people did die. Yes, it's unfortunate. People die from a lot of things. They die from car accidents. They die from the flu. They die from uh, cancer. Doesn't mean everyone who gets the disease dies. And doesn't mean that everybody who gets hit by a car dies. And doesn't mean that, uh, that, that everybody who touches anything that somebody with COVID touched dies either. In fact, if you look at the statistics, the uh, survival rate of COVID far exceeds the survival rate of almost any other virology, um, uh, virology problem that they've had. So I'm, I'm not quite sure where this irrational fear came from, but it's there. So what makes zero sense to me, zero, zero sense, is, look, I had to, I had to plan a wedding during all this COVID garbage and all this COVID nonsense. So this is what we had to deal with. I, I normally don't talk about myself and my problems on, on the show. But this is what we have to deal with, and uh, we'll move on to other things in a couple minutes because I, I just want to go over some some of the things that I've had to deal with because these stupid COVID regulations that make no sense. So if you went to a concert at, uh, at a big stadium, you can have 2,500 people at the concert in sections of 250 people. And those people could be sitting and eating and they could be drinking and they could be screaming and yelling and cheering on the home team in whatever whatever uh, sporting event or whatever concert that is organized, as long as they're 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 divided into groups of 250, and uh, and and they're sitting separately and uh, and there's a little bit of space between them, nobody cares that uh, that there's there's thousands of people in the stadium. But if but if you had a funeral or you had a wedding reception, you could only have 25 people. It was totally ridiculous. Where is the logic behind any of this? I couldn't figure it out. Uh, there were there was a lot of other things that 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 the regulations didn't allow, which makes absolutely no sense. But we survived the wedding. The wedding happened. Thank you for your uh, thank you for your good wishes. I appreciate it. Um, somebody posted Mazel Tov. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, the um, the the idea that uh, that that people are stupid and that uh, that that people need some kind of um, of a security blanket to hold on to because they can't handle the fact that some people died of a virus and other people didn't die of a virus, uh, led to the introduction of the mask, the surgical mask the, that, that, that people have freaked out over for, for months and months now. Let's talk about the surgical mask for just a second, and then I want to move on to other things. But right now, let's talk just for a second. 
Let's talk about the surgical mask. So when we when we think about the surgical mask, at the beginning of the pandemic, right at the beginning, about a year, a little over a year ago, they told us that these masks are pointless. They don't work. There's no point in wearing a mask. In fact, uh, even Dr. Fauci, and you can look back and you'll see, even Dr. Fauci said, hey, if you're wearing a mask, you'll have a greater chance of catching COVID than if you're not wearing a mask because the mask will catch the virus. It'll hold the virus in the mask. People don't change the masks often enough. And so therefore, um, you shouldn't wear a mask. And this was the recommendation from the CDC and the recommendation from everyone, don't wear a mask. Masks are dangerous. Then they flipped it and said, you must wear a mask. But the science behind it didn't make any sense. So once again, if we're talking about science, we're talking about uh, people's perception, or we're talking about science, it's two totally separate things. But if you're talking about science, the science didn't make sense. There was no logic behind it. We, we studied, uh, we, we looked, we looked, we read the articles and we, we, we heard the virologists say that these surgical masks, these blue masks that everybody's wearing now, that's mandated to wear, and uh, we're still mandated to wear them, at least for another month here in uh, Quebec, but, but who knows about the rest of the world, that these masks, they're not thin enough. There's, the pores are too big in the masks to stop COVID. So wearing the mask or not wearing the mask is almost the same thing. The only difference, they tell us, is that when you sneeze or when you cough, it might hold some of the droplets back. But the COVID virus is going to shoot out of the mask because the mask is too thin and, uh, and it's not tight enough in order to stop COVID. This is the science behind the masks. And if you don't believe me, take a look, at, uh, look up Dr. Fauci's emails where he explains it in great detail to many of the virologists that, uh, that were dealing with COVID. Yet, we're still mandated to wear these masks. And if you don't wear a mask in public, heaven forbid, if you if you if you venture into a store or venture into somewhere that uh, that 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 isn't your home and you're not wearing a mask, the attacks and the looks and you're getting is like you killed somebody's dog. It's crazy. Then they said, go get vaccinated. So once you get vaccinated, they said, once you get vaccinated, we could go back to normal. The Quebec government is still running ads saying, hey, get the second vaccine and we could go back to normal. Life could go back to normal. Now that people are going to get the second vaccine, people want to get back to normal life. Life should get back to normal. Now that that's happening, we're starting to see stories now saying, wait a second. Even if you're double vaccinated, you could still carry the virus. Even if you're double vaccinated, you could still pass it on to other people. Even if you're double vaccinated, you could still die from the virus. Therefore, we're not going back to normal. Does it seem to you, because it sort of seems to me, I don't know if it seems to you, but it kind of feels to me like this is some kind of a power grab, that the government realizes that we have given up our, 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 our civil liberties. We have given up our rights. And because we have given up these rights, these, these invaluable rights, these, these un, un, uh, inevitable rights, the, the rights we are born with, we have given them up to the government for so long, the government does not want to give them back to us. See, this is a life lesson, and we should learn this lesson, and we should learn this lesson really well. When you have the right to do something, and you have these rights, and they're given to you, and they're accepted rights throughout the land, giving up the rights turning them over to somebody else allows that person to have the kind of godlike powers over you 
that they don't want to give those up. And that is what's happening with the governments. And that is why we are starting to see COVID restrictions tighten up. Because think about this logically, and there's no logic when it comes to thinking about COVID. People don't think about it rationally, don't think about it logically. Uh, in general, people just, just, just react. It's a guttural reaction. It's a reaction of fear and fear-mongering that the media does. But think about it logically. If you're living in the province of Quebec, which some people who are watching are living, or if you're living in, uh, in the state of New York, or if you're, living, uh, if you're living anywhere in the world, think about how many people live in your state. So if I use the province of Quebec, we, we have, what, 7 million people living in the province of Quebec, between 7 and 9 million, somewhere in that area. When you think that 232 people out of 7 million have the virus, and yet we have still have restrictions on the population, and the population is still accepting and respecting these restrictions. When you think about that, you could see how ridiculous this whole situation has become. Seven million people, 200 people have confirmed cases of the virus, and seven million people are being held hostage. Tell me it makes sense. Uh, call me up. Tell me it makes sense, please. Explain it to me. If I'm if I'm hearing it wrong, if I'm if I'm thinking wrong, and I could be wrong in this, I never claim to be right. So if I am wrong, please call me and write me. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number. Please call me up and tell me how wrong I am. I want to hear your logic. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to debate you. There, I don't think there's any reason to debate. But I think there is reason to have a rational conversation. I think there is reason to have a talk. So give me a call. Let's talk about it. If I got vaccinated and I got double vaccinated, as many, many, many of other people that I know have gotten double vaccinated, why can't my life go back to normal? I have been vaccinated. The vaccination is supposed to protect me from COVID. If the vaccination doesn't protect me from COVID, then why did I get vaccinated? So if I have been vaccinated and I am protected 98, 97%, they, they tote these numbers all the time. If I'm protected 97, 98% of uh, uh, protection against COVID-19, why can my life not go back to normal? Why do I still have to wear a mask when I go inside places? This is what I am trying to understand. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. We got a, we got a message uh, on Facebook saying, you're so wrong. Okay, if I'm so wrong, call me up and tell me why. Because I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And, and things have to make sense. There have to be a certain, certain amount of logic here. I mean, it, it has to make sense because if it doesn't make sense, then why are we, why are we doing it? What, what is the purpose? So I can protect you, you can protect me. But if we're both 98% immune from the disease, which the vaccine is supposed to be doing, then what do you need protection from? You have a greater chance of catching a cold than you have of catching COVID. So why do you have to? Uh, why do we have to go through this dance? One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. It's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I am trying to understand it. I don't get it. Maybe you could explain it to me, one 669 1292 because uh, it makes no sense. It's time to hold the government accountable. It's time to reopen society. It's time to get life back to normal. And those of you that are afraid that you're going to catch COVID and see COVID lurking around every corner, that's fine. 
that's fine. You have the right to be afraid. You have the right to feel that COVID is lurking around every corner and a right to protect yourself. I will never criticize anybody wearing a mask because they are afraid or criticize anybody wearing a pair of gloves or, or a face shield or, a, or an oxygen mask or a hazmat suit. I won't criticize anybody trying to protect themselves. Look, if you're immunodeficient, uh, I understand you want to protect yourself a little more. Fine. No problem. doesn't bother me. But what about the rest of the world? What about the rest of the world? Protect yourself. Stay at home. You want to stay at home? Stay at home. You don't want to go shopping? Don't go shopping. There are plenty of options for people who don't want to be integrated into society. But if you are living in society and everyone's getting vaccinated and the vaccine is supposed to protect you from this disease, then why the heck are we still being held hostage here? one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 Okay, so if you want to call in about COVID, I'm done with my COVID rant. If you want to call in about COVID, I will, I will gladly talk to you about it. If you want to call in and tell me why it is important for COVID, uh, for people who have been vaccinated, who are immune from COVID due to the vaccination, who have antibodies, because that's what the vaccination is supposed to do. Uh, if, if you want to explain to me how I'm wrong, Feel free to call in, um, and we'll talk. You know, call in for any time during the rest of the show. It's fine, uh, and and we'll talk about it because uh, it doesn't make sense to me. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. My name is Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. You could call in. I'm on every Sunday night uh, between uh, around seven to two to nine ish. We might go a little earlier. Might go a little later. We'll see. Uh, the show varies, um, and uh, and it's an open line show. So if you're if you're listening live and you're you're watching live, uh, you could feel free to call in. We have a toll free number. It's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That is our toll free number. And of course, um, the show re airs all week on the True Talk Radio Network. Download the True Talk Radio Network app from your favorite app store. Uh, you could uh, you could uh, pick up the podcast on any of the podcasting networks, and if you have a uh, home device, if you have a home smart device like an Alexa, or a um, or a Google or or whatever, you have one of those little uh, machines at home. You could just tell the machine, hey, play the Howie Silberger show, and the machine will automatically play the Howie Silberger show. And you can also tell the machine to listen to True Talk Radio uh, on TuneIn Radio because we we air through TuneIn, uh, and it will play the true talk radio station so so feel free to take advantage of uh of the technology that exists today we um we are we air 24 hours a day seven days a week on true talk radio on true talk radio.com we have a variety of programs that might uh, that, that might interest you check out the uh check out the schedule on true talk radio.com so this week we saw ben and jerry's ice cream company announced that they were demanding that the license holder in Israel no longer carry, uh, no longer sell Ben and Jerry's ice cream in what they refer to as occupied territories in Israel. So people living in Judea and Samaria, Jews and Arabs, are no longer allowed to eat Ben and Jerry ice cream. They can no longer purchase it in their neighborhoods. Ben and Jerry's ice cream is now verboten in those neighborhoods due to the company's edict at their license holder, demanding that the license holder stop selling this brand in those territories. 
This is not the first time Ben & Jerry's as a company has uh, has jumped into the Middle East conflict. It's not the first time that Ben & Jerry's has shown their disdain towards the state of Israel. It ain't the first time that um, that Ben & Jerry's has done this. Now, there have been many calls for boycotts of Ben & Jerry, boycott Unilever, who owns Ben & Jerry, boycott everything and associated with Ben & Jerry. Um, there have been calls to the, to the kosher supervision uh, people asking them to pull their kosher supervision due to Ben & Jerry's stance on Israel. And I think that all these calls are 100% wrong. Now, I think they're 100% wrong. And I've gotten a lot of flack for saying this. I wrote a piece on this uh, earlier, in, earlier in the week, last, or at the end of last week, early this week, uh, end of last week. I wrote a piece on this saying that I think that anyone calling for a boycott of Ben & Jerry's is wrong. It's the wrong tact. It's the wrong tactic. That's not what we should be doing. And I really, I really don't think that, um, that we should be boycotting anything. I don't think boycotts work. Now I know a lot of people have argued with me. They've uh, they've they've been screaming at me for 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 over a week already. Uh, that uh, that I'm wrong, and that's good. That's okay. Uh, I uh, I organized quite a few boycotts in my youth. I um uh, I was an activist, and uh, boycotting was uh, was a tactic that we used. One of the boycotts we organized was uh, to was of the Gazette. At the time, the Montreal Gazette was. Uh, was a very anti-Israel newspaper. They were taking articles from other newspapers and altering them to be more anti-Israel than they actually were. Uh, they were anti-Israel to start with, but they were making them uber anti-Israel, super anti-Israel. And so we decided to protest it. I ran an organization. I founded and ran an organization called Save All Jews Everywhere. And that organization protested. And part of the protest, uh, one of the first things we did was we organized a boycott of the Montreal Gazette. And we uh, we had a we had a line where people could register their uh, their protest, and they were able to call and register their names and cancel their subscriptions, and that's what we did. And we set up a telephone line, and people called in, and uh, it was it was amazing. It was great. It was great, and we thought we were being productive until I had a run-in with the publisher of the Gazette. So she was speaking at a, at a morning breakfast. And I decided to go to that breakfast and confront her about her newspaper's anti-Israel status. Now, now the the, uh, the publisher that said at the time was Joan Frazier. She later became a Canadian senator. Uh, and uh, I stood in line and waited for her. And when I got to the front of the line, I said, Miss Frazier, we um, I am Howie Silberger. I am the president of Save All Jews Everywhere. And we have organized a protest, a, a boycott of the Gazette. And we have 300 people who have decided that they're going to join our boycott. Here is a list of the 300 people who said they will no longer read the Gazette, no longer purchase the Gazette, no longer subscribe to the Gazette, until the Gazette changes their attitude towards the, um, towards the state of Israel and stops altering articles to make them more anti-Israel than, than the original article was. And Miss Frazier looked at me and said, young man, and I was a young man at the time, not so much anymore, but at the time I was a young man. She said, young man, she said, I think you are wrong when you say the Gazette is anti-Israel. Can you prove your claim? And I said, we can, I can, I have the proof. And she says, great, I would love to meet with you and discuss the proof. And I said, okay. A couple of days later, 
I called up the Gazette office and I said, uh, I'd like to meet with Joan Frazier. She asked me to meet with her. I have all the proof together. I had put everything together into a binder. Let me go meet with her. And I got to run around a little bit. And then finally, I got a meeting with Joan Frazier. And we sat down. And it was her, the lawyer, the accountant. I mean, the, the whole, the whole, the whole mishpucha was there. And we sat down. And Joan Frazier looked at me and said to me, let me be clear right off the top. We don't care about your boycott. And I said, why do you not care about my boycott? She said, because quite simply, we are the only English newspaper in Montreal. So anyone who wants to read a newspaper in English in Montreal about local news has to buy our paper. So your boycott means nothing to us. It means nothing because the people who said they were going to boycott your paper might cancel their subscriptions for a week or for two weeks or for three weeks or for a month maximum. But eventually they are going to come back and resubscribe. And the reason they are going to do that is because we are the only game in town. We have a monopoly and therefore, because we have a monopoly, your boycott means nothing to us. So we just want to be clear on that right from the start, she said. Second thing she says to me is that no matter what proof you show us today that claims that we are anti-Israel, we are not going to accept that proof because we don't care. We don't care because we are the only game in town. So it doesn't matter to us if people think that we're pro-Israel, anti-Israel. If the Arabs think we're too pro-Israel, the Jews think we're too anti-Israel. If, uh, if the Vatican thinks we're anti-Catholic, it doesn't matter to us, she said. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because we are the only game in town. There is nobody starting up to compete against us. Anybody who has started up to compete against us has died. So you could take your boycott and shove it, she told me. Now, if you want to show me your proof, I'll be more than happy to look at it. If not, get out of my office and stop wasting my time. That's what she said to me. That was the, that was the just in the meeting. And essentially, I was thrown out of the office. So after that, I realized that boycotts don't really work. So what's going to happen with the Ben & Jerry's boycott? What's going to happen? You're going to put them out of business? All right, fine. If enough people boycott Ben & Jerry's and enough people don't buy it, they will go out of business. Not enough sales, the company goes out of business. So do you think that when the company goes out of business, the people behind the decisions, the people behind the scenes that make the decisions to, to boycott this or to not support that or whatever, whatever political statement they're making, you think those people just disappear? They just vanish into the ether? That, that suddenly they vaporize because their company disappeared? That's not how the world works. These people will go and they'll go somewhere else and they'll work another company. So we're going to put every company out of business that says something bad about Israel? It doesn't make sense. If you want to counter the anti-Israel crowd, if you want to fight the anti-Israel propagandists, if you want to stop the BDS movement, the only way to do it, there's only one way to do it. The only way to do it is quite simply educating the population, the Jewish population, on how to defend Israel. Period. Point blank. There is no other way to do it. Education is the key. If you don't educate the children, if you don't educate the teenagers, if you don't educate the young adults on how to defend Israel, and how to defend Israel properly, not, not, not this idiotic left-wing nonsense that 
oh, there's a legitimate Jewish state, there's a legitimate Palestinian state, and one could live on top of the other one, and they could, they could coexist. No, no, that's all baloney. Teach the truth. If you don't teach the truth, you're doing a disservice to the Jewish community, you're doing a disservice to Israel, you're doing a disservice to everyone. Teach the truth. International law says Israel has Israel exists. International law gives Israel the right over not only Judea and Samaria, but also, uh, but also, also Jordan. International law gives Israel that right. Teach the truth. Teach correct history. Teach accurate history. I was teaching a course in the high school where I was teaching accurate history. They told me, teach the history of the Middle East conflict. Teach kids how to advocate on behalf of Israel. And I got up and f first thing I said in the course, first thing I said was, listen, there's two sides to every story. We know there's two sides to every story. The Arabs will have their side, and how true or untrue their side is, is debatable. The Jews have their side, and yeah, part of it is embellished. Most of it is true, but uh, there is, there's a little bit of embellishing going on there, because in any story, there's a little bit of embellishing. But the Jews have their side. I'm not here to talk about the Arab side. I don't care what they have to say. I care about teaching you the truth. Let's learn the real history of the state of Israel. Let's learn the international law. Let's learn about the different conferences that legitimized and, and, and recognized the state of Israel worldwide. Let's talk about the League of Nations and the mandate of Palestine and why the mandate was there. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, the, the various conferences that had happened and the various peace processes. And let's talk about the root cause of this whole thing. The real reason why there is an Arab-Israel conflict that nobody ever wants to talk about. Let's talk about that. What is the root cause of the Arab-Israel conflict? That is the main question. It's always the question that's posed. And nobody wants to talk about that because they're all afraid to talk about the main problem with the main problem plaguing the Middle East. Everybody's afraid to talk about it. So I asked a bunch of kids. I asked a high school, a grade 11 class in high school. I said, I'll give you a week, and I want you to come back and tell me what the main cause of the Arab-Israel conflict is. What is the root cause? If we dug down below all the baloney that has been layered and layered and layered and layered about the Arab-Israel conflict, what is the root cause of the Arab-Israel conflict? This was the question I asked. And I said, I will wait. I'll wait a week, and in a week's time, come back and tell me what you found as the root cause. And so they asked me the normal questions. Can we Google it? I said, sure, Google it. Can we, uh, can we discuss it with people? Sure, discuss whatever you want. My goal is to have you learn and to have you think about it and have you recognize that there is a root cause. There is a reason that the Arab-Israel conflict uh, exists. There's a reason it happened. So you tell me what the reason is. And so I waited. I waited a week. And a week later, and a week later they came back. And I was like, oh, great, they're back. Now, I could hear the response. I could understand what is the problem and why does the Arab-Israel conflict exist? And I asked them, I said, why does the Arab-Israel conflict exist? And this is the answer I got. First kid raises his hand and says to me, because the Jews stole Arab land. I said, okay. Uh, I wasn't going to argue with them. I just wanted to hear what they had to say. Because the Jews stole Arab land. Okay. Went to the second kid. The second kid said, because the Jews are practicing the same tactics the Nazis practiced. 
I went to the third kid. And this is in a Jewish school, by the way. This we were all Jewish kids in a Jewish public, well, Jewish uh, private school, a secular Jewish private school. I say to the third kid, "Why do you think? What do you think the root cause of the Arab-Israel conflict is?" And they said that the Jews are oppressing the Palestinians, and the Palestinians have a right to exist. And I went to the fourth kid, and the fifth kid, and the sixth kid, and each one gave me the same answer: that the Jews stole the land from the Palestinians, and that the Jews were at fault. And this was the answer I got from all the kids in the class, 23 kids in a Jewish school, a Jewish high school, grade 11, which means they had been in high school since nursery. They had been in school since nursery, in the same school since nursery, straight through to grade 11. And the answer to what is the main cause of the Arab-Israel conflict was that the Jews were oppressing the Arabs and the Jews stole Palestinian land. I thought about it for a couple of minutes after uh, after I got my answers, and I uh, and I said, "Your answers have been very interesting. They've actually been enlightening. You've enlightened me. You've taught me something. What you have taught me is that the Jewish community has failed to teach the youth the truth behind the Arab-Israel conflict. What you have taught me is that that the truth is still out there, but it's hidden from the people who really need it. And you have taught me that I, I'm here to teach you the truth, but it, this is so well embedded in you from, from, from the time you're in kindergarten, it'll be hard for you to hear what I have to say. But I'm going to give it a shot anyway. I said, let me explain to you what the root cause of the Arab-Israel conflict is. And they all looked at me. Their eyes were wide open. They, they said, what? And I said, the root cause of the Arab-Israel conflict, Arab conflict is that Islamic law says, not, not radical Islamic law, Islamic law says that if an Islamic caliphate ever owned a piece of land, so if they ever conquered and controlled a piece of land, any piece of land, an Islamic caliphate, that land is wholly Islamic land forever. And if any non-Islamic government sets up a government on that land or sets up a country on that land, they are infidels and they must be destroyed. So, where do we see that come into play? And I explained this to the class, I'll explain it to you the same way. We saw this come into play a couple of times. So, when ISIS set up shop and they said that they were going to create an Islamic caliphate right across the Middle East, they said it'll be right across the Middle East and in Spain. Because Spain was conquered by Islam you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it was an Islamic caliphate. So ISIS, who, who vowed to restore all the Islamic caliphates, said, okay, the entire Middle East was a caliphate when it was under the Ottoman Empire. And Spain was a caliphate hundreds of years before. We have to liberate all this Islamic land, including Spain. We saw it come into play there. We also saw it come into play uh, a couple of other times. So there were many times where Israel and and, and Arab leaders, like Arafat or Mahmoud Abbas, leaders of, of the Arab people, would get together to discuss peace and what kind of concessions Israel would give, because God forbid anybody else should give any concessions, but what kind of concessions Israel would give in order to achieve peace in the Middle East. And there have been a few times, a few Israeli prime ministers who have said, hey, listen, we will give you almost 100% of anything you want. 
We'll give you Jerusalem. We'll give you Jerusalem as a capital. We'll give you uh, we'll give you East Jerusalem, the Arab neighborhoods in East Jerusalem. We will uh, we will we will withdraw our troops from 80% of what is considered the occupied territories of Judea and Samaria. We will uh, we will we'll do everything. The only thing we want in, in in return, there's only two things we want in return. The first thing is we want to be able to live in peace. We don't have to worry about you attacking us. And the second thing we want is for you to recognize that there is a Jewish state in the Middle East. That whatever is left of Israel, whatever scraps are left of this country, is a Jewish state. And each time, the Arab leaders walked away. And you might wonder, why did they walk away? What was the rationale behind them walking away? It doesn't make sense. They want peace. You want peace. You're giving them almost everything they asked for. Nobody expects a negotiation to go 100% one way and 0% the other way. So there's a little bit of give and take everywhere. Now, now, now one side is giving 98%. The other side, is, you know, the 2% that they didn't give shouldn't have made a huge difference. But they absolutely refuse to accept a deal. Why? Because Islamic law says that they cannot accept a Jewish state on former Islamic land. And so because the state of Israel, the land of Israel, the land that Israel is on, was once an Islamic caliphate, they can't accept it. So you see this coming into play quite a bit. It's kind of scary when you think about it because there'll never be peace there. There'll never be an agreement between Israel and the Arabs to achieve peace because the Islamic law doesn't allow it. Now, nobody wants to talk about this, nobody wants to admit this, and nobody wants to, uh, nobody wants to face this truth. But this is the truth behind the root cause of the Arab-Israel conflict. And of course, I will have people who say, you're Islamophobic for saying something like that. Uh, I'm ready for it. I, I, I'm used to it. So I, I'm ready for it. And people will accuse me of being that. And being a and being a grump and being a uh, and being a spoil sport and being uh, being non-optimistic and a hundred other things they're going to accuse me of, and that's fine. You can accuse me of anything you want to accuse me of. It doesn't bother me, because I believe in telling the truth. I believe in talking about true stuff, telling the facts as they are, and that is the fact. The fact is that Islamic law doesn't allow it. And if Islamic law doesn't allow it, it's not going to happen. And the only way it is going to happen, if it does ever happen, is if the Islamic groups that run the, the area, so the Islamic Brotherhood and, and a bunch of other groups, if they decide that, listen, we've had enough fight, fighting, it, it, economically it pays to have Israel there, so we're going to allow Israel to exist. That's the only way it's going to happen. Or if Israel decides to give up their Jewish character just to appease the Arabs, and they back out and they say, okay, we'll have a, uh, a non-Jewish state here where the Arabs will come and agree to a secular state but then take it over and make it an Islamic state. That's the only way it's going to happen. Other than that, you're never going to see peace in the Middle East. So boycotting Ben and Jerry's, for, for claiming that uh, for, for, for stopping sales of their ice cream in the Middle East, they're only hurting themselves, so why do we care? Why would anyone waste any time on an anti-Jewish? You see, by, by doing this, you're giving them much more publicity than, than, than they deserve. You're giving them much more publicity than they, they, they would ever purchase. So why would you do this? Why would you help them out? It doesn't even make sense. 
one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. It's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We're right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We are uh, we are on for a uh, we are on for, for for a couple of hours, and you can feel free to call in. Now uh, we just got another message on Facebook. People watching on Facebook. They're watching on Twitch. They're watching on uh, Twitter. They're watching on uh, YouTube. Um, so David said, "We will ne will never happen if the politicians change their minds. The religious leaders will not let it happen." Of course, that's 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 exactly the point I was making. If um, the religion doesn't allow it to happen, so the religious leaders that run the region will never allow it to happen, and so we're never going to have peace there. So how does Israel? And and David, you just brought up a great point, and I I really want to expand on this a little bit. How do people? Uh, how would Israel? No, not people. How would Israel? Achieve peace without the cooperation of the Arabs. So, 40 years ago, 45 years ago, there was the suggestion of uh, of um, of an exchange of populations. The Jews were rushed out of were rushed out of they were thrown out of Arab countries, and so there was uh, there was a proposition that the Arabs should be thrown out of Jewish country, and that uh, because the Arab countries are um, are free of Jews and the world doesn't seem to care that uh, Jews are not allowed to live in the Arab countries, then Jews should do the same in their country and throw the Arabs out. I, I don't quite agree with that because uh, that would lead to a lot of other problems that um, that that really, uh, it's, it's quite avoidable. I would venture to say, by the way, and uh, and, and most people won't, won't, won't say this, but I would venture to say that there is a good 95% of Arabs living in the borders of Israel uh, and I'm talking the extended borders of Israel, so Judea, Samaria, Israel, the entire region of Israel. About 98% of them, or 95% of them, want to live in peace. They want to live in peace. They don't want war. They don't want strife. They don't want. They don't want. They don't. They don't want to fight. The idea is, and I've spoken to a lot of people in the Middle East, a lot of Arabs. I've spoken to a lot of people in the Middle East. They don't want to fight. What they want to do is they want to get up in the morning, go to work, support their families. They want to watch their children grow up. They want to be happy. They want to live happy lives. That's what they want to do. It's the politicians and the 5% of radicals that drive them crazy. Do you think that a father or a mother really wants to send their kid off to die? Could you imagine any parent wanting to do that? Now, I don't care how radicalized they are. I don't care how much... How, how, how much the ideology has permeated their soul and it doesn't matter. A parent is a parent. And the heart and love a parent has for their children is heart and love. And it, it's, it's universal. It's not just North American. It's not just uh, uh, European. It's universal. Everybody loves their children. So if you get to a point where, where, where your leadership is threatening your life and threatening the lives of your, uh, of your family if you don't go and do something, then you go and do it. But but in general, <laughs> Arabs love their children as much as everyone else does. And nobody wants to go see their children die. I, I can't imagine that that's, uh, that that's, 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 that's cultural. Now, there are cult, you know, death cults and whatever else. There are people who are crazy. And that's fine. That's why I'm leaving out 5% of the population. Because I can imagine 5% of the population might say, oh, well, you know, we will sacrifice. Reminds me of a story I heard when I was uh, touring Matula a few years ago. 
Now, Metulla is in the northernest point of Israel. It is um, uh, from Metulla, you can see Syria, you can see Lebanon. It is the tip top of Israel. And uh, I was standing there on the top with uh, with a general, uh, a military general, and we were talking. And he was telling the story. And he said, "Listen," he said, "Let me tell you the story." He says, "When I was um, when I was a soldier years ago, when I was first starting out in the army, they placed me into Lebanon. One time, Israel occupied a portion of Lebanon, and he says, uh, we, we, were, uh, we were in Lebanon. And we got a tip off. Somebody tipped us off that there was, a, um, there was a bomb under a certain man's car. And he lived on this street in this house, and, uh, and there was a bomb under his car. And they intended to kill him because he didn't want to carry out some terror attack. So they intended to kill him. He says, so as the army, we, we felt obligated to, uh, to run over and to tell the man that there was a bomb in his car and that he shouldn't start his car. Maybe he should stay away. We called the bomb squad to come and disarm the, bar, the car. We did everything that soldiers should do in order to, to save the lives of the people who we are there for. And they went to the guy's house and they knocked on his door. And they explained to the guy quickly that there was a bomb under his car and that he shouldn't go out to work and that he should uh, he should relax and stay at home. The bomb squad was on the way and that uh, they would take care of it and they would let him know when it's safe. And the man said, thank you very much for telling me. He said, a couple of minutes later, the man's 15-year-old son comes out of the house, runs to the car, hops into the driver's seat, turns the key, the car blows up, killing the kid. The guy, the, the soldier, he, he actually had tears in his eyes. It was years and years before, and he still had tears in his eyes. And he said, I, I was shocked. He says, why would, I mean, he knew. He says, so we went to the guy, and we walked up to him, and he said to him, why did you send your son out to start the car? We told you that there was a bomb. We were waiting for the bomb squad to show up to disarm it so that you would be safe. Why would you go and murder your kid like that? Why would you let your kid go out and die? And the man looked at him and said, listen, he says, if they put a target on my head and they bombed my car. They weren't going to give up. So if I got into the car and the car blew up, there would be no breadwinner for my family. If my son got into the car and the car blew up, I could make another son. He says, this is the horror we have to live in under a, under a dictatorship rule, under a, an Islamic rule where they're forcing us to commit these kind of murders and these kind of terror attacks. That kind of mentality represents the 5% I was talking about. doesn't represent the majority. And to lump everybody in the same category and to lump everybody into the same uh, into the same box doesn't make sense to me. But that's just me. At one time I said, and you can look back, you can Google my name, you'll find articles I've written. One time I said that, you know, we must remove all the Arabs from the state of Israel because we don't know which ones are good, which ones are bad, or which ones will turn, and which ones will become bad, who, who should be good, who were good, and now are bad. And because we have so many terror attacks and so much, so many problems, we should just remove everybody. We should build like a Berlin Wall between Israel and, and whatever Arab lands we send them to. And anyone who tries to cross over the wall should be shot. I said this years ago, and to a certain extent, I still hold by it. I still, I still think that way. 
But uh, as you get older, you you understand a little more of the nuances. You understand a little more of the uh, of, of the problems in conducting politics like that. And so I understand that 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 situation probably won't work. Sure, it would work to uh, to stop the attacks on each other, but both sides would fall into extreme poverty. It would not be a good situation for either side. And so, because it's not a good situation for either side, I, I don't think it's it's a great it's a great idea. I uh, I really don't. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We're heard live on Sunday evenings right here on the True Talk Radio Network. You could download the True Talk Radio Network app by uh, at your favorite app store. Just look, just do a search for the True Talk Radio Network app, and you can carry us everywhere you go. We have 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, programming on True Talk Radio. Half of the day, more than half of the day, is Montreal-based programming. So it is exciting. Uh, listen to True Talk Radio. Um, TrueTalkRadio.com is the website. You want to check out our uh, our schedule. You want to check out anything else about the uh, radio station. Feel free to visit TrueTalkRadio.com. Of course, we have a podcast. The Howie Silver Show is podcasted. And you could download that podcast by subscribing to it on any of your podcasting services. It's available everywhere. And it's also available on all your smart home uh, hubs. So uh, whether it's Alexa or Google, you just tell them, hey, you say, hey, Google or uh, yo, Alexa, you say, play the Howie Silberger show and they will play the Howie Silberger show for you. So we, we are available on demand. We are available live. We are available everywhere you go. You could watch us on YouTube. The video version of this is available on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Facebook. Uh, so there's plenty of ways that you could be part of the show. And, of course, when the show is live on Sunday evenings, you could feel free to call in. I would be more than happy to talk to anybody who calls in. You could agree with me. You could disagree with me. It's all fine. And we have a toll-free number, so you could call in and use the toll-free number, which is 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. Now, the, uh, show is, um, the show is on every single week. We took a couple of weeks off over the summer, but uh, we are back. We are back at full strength, and we will be on every week from now on, unless something major is happening. We'll be on every week from now on. Normally, at this point in the uh, in the year, we are covering the uh, Just for Last Festival. Uh, this year, the Just for Last Festival is um, is uh, partly free. It's a, it's a hybrid festival. The media uh, the media component of the festival has been minimized. Uh, so we are, um, we are not covering it the way we normally cover it. Normally I have some comedians on, we do reviews of shows. We are, um, we, we're not doing that this year. Hopefully we'll be back to covering full force the Just for Last Festival next year. I hope so. I know some people were asking and I just wanted to, uh, to be clear before we ended the show, I just wanted to be clear that we are still planning on, um, on covering the Just for Last Festival. It's just been the last couple of years with COVID. We have uh, we have taken the time off and not been able to do it. All right, so that's it. We're just about out of time. I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining me. I will see you again next week. Well, actually, on Tuesday night for Political Hitman right here on uh, on True Talk Radio Network. Uh, we start at midnight with Political Hitman, and um, and uh, I don't know. 
Uh, it depends on the week. Sometimes I do a Howie Silberger show before that. Check out the Howie Silberger show page on uh, Facebook where you'll get all the information about when the show airs. Uh, Join the political group, the Howie Silberger show group on Facebook where we talk about politics and a whole lot more. And I will see you again uh, next show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great one.